Good grief, that thing is loud. That's what she said. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Two Geeks and One New, where we gather friends of similar interests and maybe not so similar and discuss, joke, learn more about, and generally have fun with geek culture. Today, we are discussing mid-season review... Of the Star Wars story of Ahsoka. This is obvious, but spoilers ahead. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, don't get mad at us for spoiling it. <laughs> right. Like and, to you- and to clarify, we are recording this r- just after episode four was released. Yeah, um, a couple days after. Yeah. Yeah. So if you haven't seen it yet. That's on you. That's on you. Yeah. <laughs> You've been warned. I don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> Shut it off now. Um, but yeah, so uh, what do you guys think of, of Ahsoka so far? I've been really enjoying it. Um, I feel like they've done a good job of really moving the story along without you having had seen Rebels. Yep. Um, I mean, for me, I have seen Rebels in Clone Wars, so I'm already familiar with Ahsoka's character and everything that she's been through up to this point. Um, and I guess Star Wars Tales of the Jedi with what they showed for her story is that in that as well. But, um, I think that they've done a really good job of keeping the story going. My only complaints would be that I don't feel like they've done enough to really build up those characters as well as they should have. So like really like, for example, with Harris and Dula, she's such an awesome character and it was written so well. I don't feel like they did as much as they could have and should have to really bring her character in for the initial introduction, mm-hmm. just because they only showed it on they showed her picture on the mural, yeah, in the first episode, and then they said, "All right, here's General Hera or General Sandula," and that was kind of it. They didn't yep. really like explain too much, so I get that like why. Because it's like Filoni kind of is assuming it's like you either watched Rebels and are familiar with my work. Or you can you're smart enough to piece it together over time, yeah. Uh, which I do appreciate, but I do I do wish that they'd done a little bit more to introduce her, just because of how well written she is overall. Yeah. That being said, I have been having a lot of fun with this. Like this is one of the few instances under the Disney umbrella that it genuinely feels like Star Wars. Mm, like yep. with like Mando and Boba Fett have been the other two instances for me personally. And then I guess Bad Batch, but that was kind of like a it's continuation of Clone Wars. Yeah. So like I, yep. I don't know if that's like technically Disneyverse per se. <laughs> um um but yeah like, like I, I I've been having a lot of fun with it. I'm really excited to see where they take it. Awesome. Yeah. Um I'm kind of doing a bit of an experiment uh, right now going through the show watching it with intentionally watching it with people who have not seen rebels or clone wars. Mm-hmm. And frankly, I'm this week kind of emphasized that I can effectively count myself in that category because <laughs> <laughs> I have apparently forgotten large swatches of both shows. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, I will say that the pacing feels a little off. So just getting the, my negatives out of the way, mm-hmm. the pacing feels a little bit off. Yeah. Uh, it feels like, they wrote enough for it to be a second, uh, another, not a second season, get grief, a sixth season of Rebels, if not a spinoff show in the same time slot as Rebels. Yeah. Yeah. And then realized, oh, wait, no, we've got 40 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I would agree. Those first two episodes, the pacing fell off. Yeah. Like that, the first episode felt especially slow, in my opinion. And then it started to pick up after that. Um, but I, I would agree. Like overall, 
the, the pacing was a little off in the beginning. I think it has gotten a lot better. It has. Especially with what we saw in episode four. Uh, but I yeah. do, I definitely agree that the first two episodes were especially slow. Yeah. First two episodes were especially slow. It seemed like they compensated on episode three and made it intentionally shorter. Hmm. Well, I don't know if that... Logically. Because, uh, I mean, if you look at, like, Mando and Boba Fett, both yeah. of those had, like, varying lengths for each they of the did. episodes. So mm-hmm. I think it's more so just the story they were trying to tell for that specific episode. Yeah. And it could also be just, like, the story that the director wanted to tell because it's been a different director for each episode. So Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, all that in mind, they it's they're working through their kinks. Yeah. I think part of it is also that Filoni doesn't have a ton of experience with live action. When True. you look at his resume, the vast majority of it is animated. Yep. And you can make a very different pacing and everything with that. That's <laughs> Yeah, that's true, too. Yeah. Um, the, the pacing with the Clone Wars and Rebels and Bad Batch is obviously a very different setup than what we have with live action. It's also very different episode lengths. Um, so yeah. I, I think that's really... The big part of it is Filoni and Favreau, who are both very talented in their own rights. It's just the difference in what they're doing because Filoni is used to the animated shows, whereas Favreau is used to movies. And so there's right. obviously going to be different pacing between the two areas. Yep. Um, another thing to tag on to what you were saying, um, the writing is done in such a way to respect the audience. Yes. Mm. Where it is not... very much by a fan for the fans. Yeah. Yes. But more so, it is very welcoming of newcomers as well. Yeah. Not in the sense of, hey, we're going to give you everything up front. But more in the sense of they give you just enough to make you curious. Like, well, hang on. Why mm. is that important? Yeah. yeah. And they emphasize yeah. those bits just enough to get someone interested in Rebels, in Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if for nothing else, just but to read the story points. Mm-hmm. Um, like with one of, the vo- one of the folks I'm watching with, uh, watching it with now. They've gone back privately and just kind of looked like, oh, you didn't point out that so-and-so, good, okay, thank you for that. That's what I'm trying to figure out by watching it with you. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, what about you, Dan? What have you thought? Uh, so far, I have I have fully enjoyed it. I, I fully agree that you guys, or what you guys said about it feeling a lot more like Star Wars, mm-hmm. like with the different planets, with the different, um, like, like with the actual Jedi and lightsabers and, and stuff like that. And like the ships, I love the ships. They're so much fun. Um, the storyline, I, like you said, getting the negative part out of the way, the pacing of it for me, um, like you guys said in the first two episodes was, was really, really hard to follow. But then, I even, don't think it was quite as slow as book of Boba Fett, but it was definitely no. slower than Mandalorian. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that was the biggest thing. And, and again, it's it's not bad. I think the issue with like with Boba Fett, we went in knowing it was going to be a slow burn because mm-hmm. they had been very intentional about saying this is a slow burn. We are doing kind of a Godfather esque build to this, right? So this is going to be a slower build up. Yeah, right. With Ahsoka, it almost felt like in the beginning they weren't totally sure what the what pace they wanted to go with. Yeah, yep. Because they kind of did a little bit of a tiny retconning to some things from Rebels. It, it was very small, mm-hmm. but it was still present. Yeah. And I think that was Filoni kind of figuring out, okay, how do I want to go about this story? How much do I want to retcon? To what extent do I want to retcon? Yeah. And I think that's where the pacing issues came in, personally. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Uh, and yeah, then that's fair. <clears throat> and then, again, kind of another pacing thing for me, though, is like 
the way and and don't get me wrong, like Rosario Dawson, I think does the 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 character very well, but like the way that she walks, even in a combat, mm-hmm. is very just like I am going to take as long as I possibly can to take one step, wow. and like and that kind of thing. So it, it's a little jarring to me in that respect. However, on the positive side, this latest episode, and and we'll I'll I'll reference back a little bit because the. Uh, what did we figure out? The was it the first episode or the second episode where they were in the shipyard and they second, were that was the second. It was the second episode. Okay, so the second episode when Ahsoka is doing a lightsaber fight with the um, droids and with uh, Merrick. Yep. Um, yeah. It the choreography of that fight was a little bit slow and just kind of not very well choreographed. Yeah. This latest episode. Oh, choreographed man. amazing <laughs> like it was 10 times better yep um still slightly slow for my taste but well it was, w- it was a lot more enjoyable interesting because they went with like a traditional dual style yeah. instead of just a normal like fighting because ahsoka's always used the dual sabers and the first episode is the only one so far that she's gone full-on combat with the dual sabers mm-hmm. yep. like to include using them there. with the force rather than herself right yeah. exactly and th- there's only been like little bits here and there where she's done the dual saber, but it's like Ahsoka was known for the dual saber combat. Yeah. That's how she's always been from day one. Mm -hmm. She like in the beginning of clone Wars, she only had one lightsaber went through a pretty bad experience and immediately said, I need another lightsaber. So it's like, that's, that's just synonymous with snips. And so not seeing (laughs) the dual lightsaber combat, that's a little frustrating for me as a fan of the character and having watched her for as long as I have. And and that's a a good thing for me too, because as someone who hasn't watched the rebel, I've, I've seen maybe one or two episodes of rebels and, or, of um clone wars Mm -hmm. so like i have a decent enough appreciation for the characters that you guys have told me and that i've seen in a couple of episodes that i can enjoy this character or this uh the show and like with enough knowledge of it to be like okay this is fun um but (laughs) and we'll get to this later but the whole snips thing i was like (laughs) Yeah. Yes, but anyway, yeah. we'll talk. Yo, we'll talk about I, that a little was, bit later. I was but. pretty excited about that. <laughs> I heard it. it was like, oh, they <laughs> they did it in the live action. Okay, we're good. We're yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. So again, I I've very much thoroughly enjoyed it so far. Mm-hmm. I think they could speed it up just a tad. But overall, I think amazing. that's going to start happening with episode five because yes. I don't know if you guys heard. Episode five is getting a limited theatrical release. Are you Wait, serious? What? It's unfortunately not in San Antonio. Okay. Uh, okay. Which is a bummer. Is um, it going to be longer then? Like a longer episode or it may, just... It's probably going to be similar to the first episode in length. Okay. Um, so about not quite an hour. About yeah. Minutes. About 45 to 50 minutes, I okay. think, is okay. my guess. Uh, but yeah, they're doing that with limited theatrical release. There's only like one in a few states. There's mm-hmm. like one in Dallas, one or two in California, and like a few other random states that they had yeah. on the list but they're doing a the, uh, like the fact that they're doing a theatrical release at all even if it is only a handful of theaters that makes me think episode five is about to pop off yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's actually kind of another thing i want to hit on though is it almost seems like feloni is 
in the writing, in the portrayal, in the direction of all this, and even in the special effects, to a large uh, to a large extent, anyhow, it's almost as though Filoni is saying, "Hey Disney, y'all should have given me the sequel uh, the sequel trilogy," because mm. um, it almost seems like he's tr- he's pointedly getting into situations where the sequel trilogy failed. Yeah, yeah, and then just pulling it off. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can definitely see that to an extent, um, but they're they're definitely righting some wrongs. They're definitely uh, putting some story elements in there that are like, okay, this is gonna be interesting. Oh yeah, and like even just again, not someone who who knows these storylines and knows these. Um, like the backstory and the lore and everything to these, I'm super excited for Thrawn. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know the character at all, yeah. but for some reason, the way you guys explain it and the, the hype that's behind it, I'm like, Oh, this is going to be amazing. Yeah. Like this, just the reveal, the like, whatever it's going to be. It's like, okay, this is going to be good. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, I mean, there's a reason why he, one, they're bringing him back into the series, but two, why he's as popular as he is. The story that he's connected to is always good. Yeah, yep. He was by far one of, if not the best part of Rebels. All of the Thrawn books have sold phenomenally well. Mm-hmm. Those are all, like, if I Thrawn think they're is... the best-selling Star Wars. Yeah. If, if uh, Thrawn is in the books, books, they are consistently top sellers nice. for Star Wars. He is just one of those characters. And, and it's, it's different because he's not a force wielder. He's mm-hmm. kind of in the same vein as Tarkin. But he's more menacing because he's even more intelligent. Yeah. yeah. And not only that, but just the, like, his look is, you can just tell it's a bit more menacing in just the way it looks. Yeah. And, and <laughs> for anyone listening who's unfamiliar with Thrawn, he looks like a cross between um, Nightcrawler, Nightcrawler and, and, and Mysteria, uh, not Mysteria, um, Mr. Sinister. Oh, Mr. Sinister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh. I could definitely see that. Yeah, <laughs> but and blue skin, his red character eyes. is just fascinating. Like I can yeah. go into some of the backstory and whatnot with him in, in a little bit, but I'll let yeah. David finish his thought first. Well, yeah. that was one thing I was going to point out, though. Actually, so here's your segue to do just that. Um, part of what makes uh, Thrawn so interesting is how not only was he a high-ranking officer, not only a member of um, the Empire and a respected one at that, he was a high-ranking officer in the empire Mm -hmm. he's not human and one of the few alien races that was that had that claim yeah because palpatine don't know if you knew this but he's a bit of a racist against non-human aliens (laughs) yeah that That was the whole thing of the empire like he was targeting other species actively yep that is something i never quite caught on to until now it's like okay like they didn't have a whole lot of like the bounty hunters were the most Alien, yeah, and even then, Palpatine had was on typically not the one working with the bounty hunters, right? That was Vader, they, they, and the bounty hunters were almost always unaffiliated yeah. outside of contracts, yeah. yeah. Like, even post becoming the chancellor, like, there's only a handful of aliens that he would willingly associate with, and one of them was the guy that was kind of like the quote unquote <laughs> judge within the council mm-hmm. or with, within the um within the courts for him is just like order order. And that was pretty much all he did. He was just an intimidating force. And he it was more, so it was just like, 
I don't like you, but you don't like me, and I can respect that <laughs> yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I hate using this term, but devil's advocate here. <laughs> um, Palpatine also, he, he had a little bit of respect for merit, or the idea of merit. Mm-hmm. A little. Yeah. But he wouldn't have, if most people are grading, uh, grading merit based on a scale, if someone was a non-human alien, he would start counting that much later. Mm-hmm. Mm. So to get to that bar with him, and not only get to that bar, but get to a point where you're completely comfortable working for him, speaks very highly of your yeah. ability and your your well, capability. It's, yeah. it's also the fact that like Palpatine knew how intelligent Thrawn was. Oh yeah, he knew that because I mean Thrawn was one of the highest ranking members in the Chiss Ascendancy. And Palpatine knew it's like, okay, I need to keep an eye on them. So I'm going to bring in a Chiss Ascendancy member into the Empire so I can keep an eye on them. And Thrawn just looks him dead in the eyes like, cool, that's why I'm here as well. Yep. Because I don't trust you and I'm going to make sure that you don't screw over my people. So as long as you don't screw over my people, we're going to get along just fine. Yeah. yeah. Which you know, friends close teachings. and your enemies closer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And the fact that not only was Thrawn able to do what he did, but the fact that he says this to Palpatine's face and survived, not only does it show how cunning he was, but it also shows the respect, whether he wanted to give it or not, that Palpatine had for him. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Cool. And it also kind of portrays Thrawn as... It almost seems like this is too high high of praise for him, morally. Mm-hmm. It almost portrays him as an anti-hero. Yeah. Ooh. In, in, a, in a way, yes, because um, he, he was very much focusing on protecting his people and right, making right. sure that it was for the better good of his own people. But yeah, like he, he wasn't full on anti-hero because he did some very shady oh. stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he, he was definitively empire through and through. Yeah. yeah. It, it's funny, too, because the, the stories that I see that I've watched throughout... Um, like the Disney era of, of star Wars is like a lot of the bad guys are like, are like that where they're like, no, I want to protect my people. Mm -hmm. And then they just get wrapped up in all this, uh, empire stuff or first order stuff or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then like they become the empire. And it's like, okay, no, you're a bad guy. (laughs) Yeah. They just did this like, indoctrination with anyone that was in the empire and yeah. first order for that matter. Whereas like, if you're going to work for us, you're going to believe what we believe. And mm-hmm. there is no way around that. And that was the interesting thing with Thrawn is like, he never swayed on his perspective. Yeah. He did what the empire asked him to do because that was his job. But his focus was always on his people. It was never like, I will do the empire's deeds because I am the empire. It was very much, I will do the deeds of the empire because that's my job. But and it keeps you out of my out of my people's way. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so that was that's one of the interesting things about Thrawn is he's one of the ones that didn't really fall for the indoctrination. You could say the same for Tarkin, but Tarkin was also very much like, I like what the Empire is doing. I don't like most people. So, <laughs> well, also arguably with Tarkin and just his character in general, he liked power. Oh, very much. And very the, much. So. And the Empire was an easy way for him to get it. Yeah. I mean, we saw snippets of that with his character in Clone Wars when he was just a, an admiral for the yeah. Clone Wars army and just seeing like how callous he was there. Yep. I kind of want to backpedal a little bit here. Um, 
and go back to the uh, the lightsaber fights a little bit because mm-hmm. there's been some really fun lightsaber fights in this one so far. Yeah, and yeah. I, I think we've had some. We had a little bit of talk beforehand about like the different lightsaber lightsaber styles and yes. and stuff like that. And it was just like these are some fun some fun fights that are different enough to be kind of stand out. Yeah, yeah they stand well, out. Yeah. I find really interesting the first fight Sabine had with um oh shoot. To, it's something with a T. I have the um yeah, yeah I can't remember it as well. With Shin Hati. Yeah. Um, the first fight that Sabine had with her almost reminded me of the Ray versus Kylo fight, but how it should have gone. Right. And that it was yeah. very wild swinging. There was that lack of training or at least lack of practice yeah. in it. And it, it was very much a, like, I am just swinging for the fences, hoping I connect. I don't really know what I'm doing and I don't actually have much of a hope of winning this. Yeah. But, and then obviously the skill paid off as it should have been. Episode seven, but it's a separate topic. <laughs> but it, it, that kind of that's kind of what the comparison that I made with that one, where it was very much a, like, I am out of practice. I haven't been training. I didn't get to train for very long. When I did get training, mm-hmm. this isn't good. <laughs> yeah, and and yet it still showed a bit of training to the point of she could still defend herself, mm-hmm. um, which well, I thought she was did kind have of some saber training from rebels. Right, because she got the dark saber during Rebels, and was actually trained to wield the dark saber. Sabine did. Yes. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. Sabine. So in Rebels, they went to Dathomir, and they had the dark saber on an altar in on Dathomir, and this was after like Maul and everything that happened. Um, I don't remember if it was before or after Maul died in Rebels. I think it. I don't. I don't remember. But. Um, we are Maul. established. I can't back you up on this one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, either way, Maul had lost the la- the dark saber at this point, mm-hmm. and so they were holding it on Dathomir because the witch, like the few witches that were left, were just like, "This is Maul's saber. If he returns, he will be the one that can hopefully lead us to glory." Right. Um, but they found it, and she took it, and Cain and Jarus trained her with the dark saber, and she ended up using it in a duel on Mandalore and beat the High Mandalore of the time. And oh, then wow. gave the dark saber to Bo Katan, which is why in Mandalorian season two she was like, "It can't be given." That right. didn't work out last time. So yeah, just serve some context there. But yeah, she she's had pretty extensive lightsaber training from Kanan, and then according to the new canon, which is a bit of a retcon, um, but she had even more saber training by Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. So now she's she's got some fairly extensive training it's, yeah she's obviously very out of very practice, out of practice. But... yeah yeah cool well the other thing is the lightsaber or the dark saber is wow the dark saber is pointedly a different weapon from a lightsaber oh yeah um, but if you it's can a heavy saber. Li- if you can wield the lightsaber you can wield the dark saber everyone that yes. has used the light sa- the a lightsaber and then switched to the dark saber was able to fight with it comfortably true but what i'm getting at is the dark saber only cuts one way. Oh yeah, it, it, the it only sharp has side a is on one. Yeah, yeah. Whereas a lightsaber, it's you get o- hit, on you the edge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The edge is all around, so it allows for a bit more fluidity, a bit mm-hmm. more. Whereas the dark saber requires more control, more intentionality. Right. Which yeah. makes sense because it was designed by a Mandalore, yep. one of the few Mandalorian Jedi. 
So it makes sense that it would have a very, very distinct. And I love that they brought that up in the lore or in the show smoothly. It wasn't forced in. It was very much a, this is a lost cause. Only three, only like four of her people have done this before. (laughs) There's a reason why very few Mandalorians have become Jedi. That's what Hyung said. Yeah. I, I do like that, uh, bit too is that like again not knowing anything about the the rebels show didn't know anything about sabine then seeing the mandalorian armor and knowing she's a jedi i was like whoa what (laughs) yeah yeah so that that's one thing that if you haven't watched rebels you won't get that backstory on Uh, because i mean they mentioned her being a mandalorian a few times but it's like when you actually get to see her in the armor it's like oh she really is mandalorian yeah Yeah. and that's what i loved about this last episode too was that she was point out her helmet came off way too easily compared to all of the other mandalorians it just popped right off she was never death watch so it doesn't really matter well, yes, but <laughs> the whole point of the Mandalorian helmet is that it doesn't come off unless you take it off yeah. or are beheaded. <laughs> yeah. Like... In which case, it's still on. <laughs> case Just in point with Django. Django. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, exactly. wait, you can't. Or, exactly. Sorry, sorry. My bad. Ask Boba. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I like, But to your point, the lightsaber duels in this have been so good. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I love seeing just... The difference between Balin and Shin with their fighting style. One, just seeing the like the controlled power with Balin. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like we mentioned it earlier, where he had the big, a big broad striking, like very much a, like English greatsword style swing yep. with his yeah. fighting. Which we had all mentioned this earlier, and I'm going to go ahead and bring it up now. He should have had the crossblade saber. <laughs> oh <laughs> yes, he just should have because it fits his fighting style so well. Yeah, and I just want to see that in live action. Um, That'd be a, so awesome. But then <laughs> comparing that to Shin's more aggressive, still controlled, but very much leaning into the aggression and the anger aspect, which yeah. is typical for like a dark side aligned person. Mm-hmm. She's, they're, I don't, cons- I don't think they're full on Sith. Yeah, they I don't have think they're sabers. Yeah. So I think they're, they're more fallen. in that unaligned force user category yeah. that Disney insists on us knowing. And <laughs> I, I think the fallen Jedi is more. Accurate, yeah. yeah, yeah. Another thing that just occurred to me is that Shin's fighting style is more reminiscent of like classical French saber fighting. Mm-hmm. It's very, it, there is some control to it, but the actual movement of the blade itself is, as you yeah. stated, very wild, very sporadic, but yeah. always driven towards target. And mm-hmm. we've we've seen that too with some of the stances where she just holds the saber out and then she just kind of charges in with her. Yeah. quick slash whereas Balin's just like got it close it's almost like very similar to Qui-Gon which makes sense because Liam Neeson does have classic sword training and that's yep. why they did his saber and as everything. does Ray Stevenson right yeah. exactly and so it makes sense that he just kind of brings it in he's doing the more broadsword style yeah. fighting Ray Stevenson that's the actor the actor oh okay him okay <laughs> sorry I, I was making sure you weren't talking about um, uh, Darth Maul's no, uh, no actor Ray Park Park Park. Yeah. <laughs> no, Ray Stevenson, the actor for, for Balin. Yeah, he he very much has that classical sword training. So. Oh, okay, cool. Yep. It was some of his prior roles. Makes sense with his uh, Three Musketeers. Yep, character. which almost makes it, it kind of makes it an Easter egg that um, Shanti is using more of a, a like French, fencing yeah. style, <laughs> <laughs> fencing style. Um, but even going into that. Another thing that I think the show is doing very well, and this is bleeding off at this point of the, the duels or the lightsaber battles, 
the fighting style that Ahsoka is using is very reminiscent of classic samurai style fighting that we see a lot in, in more Eastern movies, classic Eastern movies. So, um, Samurai 7, which, frankly, it's kind of bringing Star Wars back to its roots. And we see that also in the costume, too. (laughs) (laughs) The rise of... (laughs) The rise of Shogun. Anyway. uh, Wow. (laughs) The return of Shogun. Sorry. Uh, the fact that it's it, it, it's almost as though they're bringing back they're bringing Star Wars back to its original roots, which is based in kind of this Kabuki theater mm-hmm. on steroids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So making it more of that, which does make sense considering Filoni learned from George Lucas himself. Yeah. So right, I would be very surprised if if Filoni wasn't doing what he could to try and bring some of those elements back in. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I mean, even down to the costuming for uh, for example, whenever we see. Uh, so uh, so and Hu Yang tra- uh, retraining Sabine with uh, her lightsabers. Um, if you follow a lot of the movement she, uh, that is that Sabine is going through, it's all uh, it's kendo, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which is very much like okay. If this were a katana, here's how you would strike. Yeah, yeah. But isn't it, isn't it a lot of uh, defensive uh, fighting as well, though? Mm, I can't say yes or no because I've not done Kendo. Oh, same. Okay. same. Um, I will point out that Sabine's fighting style is very much more of an offensive style, whereas mm. the traditional well, yeah. Jedi were more of a defense. Well, I guess it also depended on the style. Like Yoda and Obi Wan, for example, were more of a de- their styles were more of a defensive combat style. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess it kind of depends on the form, and they haven't really specified which form. Sabine is using since it is so new. Yeah. Um, they go the Mr. Miyagi uh, <laughs> way of things. They <laughs> if have you have to fight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They have specified Ahsoka's form style in the previous shows and, and books and stuff. I can't remember off the top of my head what her style was. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just thought the fighting styles so far that they've shown in the show has been just a lot of fun. Oh, I, yeah. I know oh, very sure. little about the things you guys are talking about. Like, <laughs> I can understand when you're saying it, but it's just like I, I wouldn't be able to, <laughs> to oh, comment on it. But. Sorry. ADD just kicked in and uh, remembered I didn't close up my thought on the costuming. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, the the blind mask that Ahsoka puts on Sabine for that final bit of her training scene mm-hmm. is a kendo mask. Yeah. Oh, and then if really? you look at, uh, at Ahsoka's uh, EVA suit in episode three, it's based on a training, a training suit for Kendo. <laughs> Interesting. So okay. bringing not just a lot of the thematic elements of, of that traditional type type of storytelling, but they're also bringing in more of the cultural background as well. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. I can get into this. Yeah. And the fact that then they have Balin using more of a English fighting style. They have Shin Hati using more of a French style. It's like, okay, y'all are paying attention. Y'all are yeah. doing y'all's homework. Yeah. And I love the costumes for both Shin and Balin with their, like, almost semi-traditional Jedi garb with slight ar- uh, pieces of armor, almost like they, from the Clone Wars, almost. Yep. 
but it very much leans into the whole aspect of them having been mercenaries this whole time. Like they're not wearing the normal Jedi garb. They may have traditional elements of the Jedi garb, but they have the armor because they're very much on the front lines fighting. Yeah. Yeah. And it's cool too. Cause they're going back to what you were saying, David, about um, like it hearkening back to the, Japanese stuff they're very very like samurai look to it like yeah. especially uh Hatties yeah like uh Greaves mm-hmm. yeah like you can see like the armor is very much Japanese samurai mm-hmm. um yep. style so it's, yeah. I like that it's cool I, I their the, their costumes I think are probably my favorite of the costumes in this series so mm. far yeah I, I love seeing Sabine's armor in live action but I still I feel it was a little too dark to really be able to appreciate her armor for one. Yeah. But two is I, again, I just love the like Jedi slash mercenary combination that yeah. they've got going on. I think yeah. the only thing I don't like about Sabine's Mandalorian armor is that there's too little of it. Like it's like it, it's tr- traditional fantasy female armor. Well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but like if you look, if you watch Mandalorian or I'm sorry, uh, the man, yeah, the Mandalorian most of them are covered. Yeah. Even yeah. The, like fairness, even the females. Sabine has never been covered as much with as much armor as any of the other Mandalorians. She right. almost, she's always she been... always had kind of her own style because she was more of an agile type fighter. Right. Very much moving around, quick movement. She didn't really rely on jetpacks and just sponging hits like other yeah. Mandalorians. She was very much like, I am going to be the fastest one on the field. I'm going to hit everything and you won't know where the hit comes from. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I and I understand that, but I feel like it's still just slight bit too small, like too too little of it. Where like like her shoulder, uh, what are they pauldrons? Um, like they almost don't even cover her shoulders. Yeah, yeah. and it's just like okay, which yeah, they technically need to be... would make sense because she's had that armor since she was a that, kid. That and is so... true. I was like, she hasn't been able to go to the Mandalorian armor and say like, hey, I need an upgrade. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. That so is very it, true. It does kind of make sense that her armor doesn't quite fit to her. Like, yeah, it would I, for like to. Bow I can or, see that. Uh, din or anything. Yeah. yeah. And another thing I'll point out is in Mandalorian culture, we're... Sorry, I started off on the wrong, wrong portion of that thought. <laughs> <laughs> so where Jedi are able to show off their personality through their fighting, uh, through their their saber stance and technique Mm -hmm. Mandalorian show it off in their armor. Right. Right. So much to Caleb's point of Sabine's stance is always, I will be the fastest on the field that is echoed in her armor. It is now almost comically emphasized as you've already observed in the fact that the armor barely fits her anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it makes it seem kind of like, well, I'm still a kid, you know, like like I'm still kind of immature for me, for a Jedi, immature for a Mandalorian, which they've, so they've emphasized through storytelling already. Yeah, but exactly. They do so visually as well. I think with the immaturity element, like like I was saying, it does kind of make sense that there's some of that because again, she has it does seem like she's had the exact same set of armor since she was a kid, and obviously she's grown some over that time. Mm-hmm. But also, just to David's point, she doesn't have the same like she she's not. Going to Mandalore. She's not connecting with yeah. other Mandalorians to upgrade her armor. She's not really rising in the ranks of the Mandalorian culture of, or what's Of course that, not. I guess. Yeah. Um, so it, it does make sense that her armor isn't going to be quite 
as fit like fitting to her anymore. Um, I, I do agree that it, it does seem like there's just not enough, but again, it does kind of fit her fighting style with just the quick movement, yeah. getting into a combat, do what you got to do and get out very quickly. Hmm. Do you think that there may end up being some kind of uh, crossover in the Mandalorian and Ahsoka where she kind of gets to that point of, okay, okay I'm, I'm grown up enough. I need to get, new armor so maybe she goes back to the mandalorian or it seems like they're more leaning towards her being a jedi apprentice so i don't think we're gonna see as much with the mandalorian armor as i would personally like i think we're gonna see her more go down that jedi path right start to develop the force in some way shape or form i don't necessarily want it to go that way because that was never how it was originally written with her character she was never force sensitive she just had saber training and that was it so that that was one of the retcons that they did from Rebels to this is that she was not force sensitive. Well, Kanan so far and Ezra ha- were the only ones that were force sensitive. Yeah, so far the they haven't is, shown her have any force sensitivity yeah, at all. But here's the thing: they are very heavily pulling from a little side comment that George Lucas himself made a while back that all living things have the force. Mm. The yeah, fact they, they reference that in in the dialogue as right, well. Right, they have directly referenced that. So that is something that, that that's why I think it's heading that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, just playing off of the, they've been very heavily pulling from that one comment from yeah. George. So I I think that's the way it's going, and I think she's going to end up going more of the Jedi route with everything. It's possible we see Luke involved in some way. Yeah. I think it's more so just going to be. The Phoenix crew and eventually meeting back up, having the interaction with Thrawn. And then, of course, Ezra is going to show up. I 100% believe he's going to show up. It's well, they also, already have him cast. So, yeah. <laughs> and, well, it's I mean, also, they technically already shown him. Yeah, that's yeah. true. It's also possible that Sabine is just like, I'm not the one that needs the master right now. And she gives the lightsaber back to Ezra. And mm. then he kind of like aligns himself with Ahsoka and they go off on their adventure as Master Apprentice. Again, I don't know. It's still a little too early to tell. And we have no idea if they are going to full on bring in Ezra or if it's going to be like last episode. It's like, oh, hey, we found Ezra. And then it's like, wait till season two. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, also, like with this last episode with um, with Sabine giving over the map and everything like that, like you're almost kind of getting this sense that she's on the fence Mm -hmm. and like. Like, I don't think she's going to go dark side at all or fallen at all. But like, I don't think it's that she's on the fence. I think that she just wants her friend back. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I, I think that's her only focus. It's very much just leaning into the emotion. She wasn't a traditional Mandalorian. So there's absolutely no way she's going to be a traditional Jedi. Right. Correct. Yeah. So I, I think that's really more what it is, is just she's always been a I will find my own path. Even if I have to set off explosives to make my path, I'm going yeah. to write my own path. <laughs> Yep. And I think that's just what it is. And I feel like that's such a, a derivative thing, not derivative in a bad way, but like pulled from Ahsoka as much as she would not admit it. Like, well, and they, no, they, Hugh Yang's kind uh, of Hugh Yang, <laughs> right? On that. That's what I'm saying. Be- is beating, like, that to a pol- uh, uh, beating that point to a pulp with her, yeah. Like, okay, like you come there's from a lot long of her in you, of, <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of her in you. You've come from a long line of very non traditional Jedi. Why should I be surprised? Like, yeah. Why should anyone be surprised? Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's hard to hard to see where she would go with it because it's like 
like again the very emotional route the uh, of very non-traditional Jedi, but at the same time, which makes kind of traditional like she's Jedi, starting to get trained as a Jedi. <laughs> that means she started training as a Jedi at an even older age than Anakin. Yep. Yeah. Not. I don't think it was quite as old as Luke. Uh, no, it wasn't as old as Luke. No. But it was older than Anakin. Yeah. And even Anakin was just like, no, I was too old. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing to note. Um, this isn't her starting her Jedi training. She's restarting it. Right, right, yeah. But um, one point that I think we're going to see a lot more in episode five... Uh, five and beyond. One point that I think we're going to see brought up in episode five was Ahsoka trying to somewhat tactfully bring up this, I told you that would happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I told Can you I what the choice you? had to be. Yeah. Yeah, so it's probably going to be Ahsoka saying, "I'm, I'm, I'm with Hang at this point." Yeah, um, but it's going to was... be it, it, it's going to be a hard, a very hard conversation to watch. Yeah, but it's going to happen within the next four episodes. Mm-hmm. Has to happen. I would be amazed if it's brushed <laughs> over with, with with the attention to detail and craftsmanship that Filoni and Favreau have. I would be amazed if they just glance over it or story it away of, well, it's okay. It was in the moment. Yeah. You know what I could, I'm really hoping to see because of how controlled Ahsoka has been so far with her emotions, with her fighting and all that. I just kind of want to see her lay into her. Like, just be like, you know what? I think we're going to see that, but I don't think it's going to be directed at Sabine. You don't think so? I think... She's going to let her emotions out in the world between worlds in a, like a duel or a conversation with Anakin. And he's going to be like, oh. that's the lesson I've been trying to teach you, Snips. That's oh. my prediction. Mm. And you know what? I, I'd be all for it. That, that makes sense. I got to ruminate on that one. <laughs> <laughs> just the way you just explained that for some reason just was like, okay. <laughs> and, and, and from it coming from him of all people. Yeah. <laughs> Well, so like, at this point he did. So right, and like <laughs> no one would know better than Anakin, especially dead Anakin. Yeah, yeah. And we're also like the. On a on a side note, I do want to point out that like there's some theories going on that the world between worlds is where a Jedi Force ghost goes after a Jedi dies. I was and wondering that's about where that. they yeah. inhabit, and they're, that's why they're able to kind of pop in and out because they're in the world between worlds, not truly dead. And like the the whole connection with the world between worlds and the force and all of that. So like that's one theory which I think is really interesting. But I just I, I feel like there's going to be something to this conversation between Snips and Anakin. I don't feel like it's just gonna be this quick, like, hey, like there's the door. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like there's gonna yep. be a lot more to it. And I feel like that's gonna be a big learning moment because she hasn't been a master, a true master. Mm. She was never promoted to Jedi. Neither was Anakin. Yeah. <laughs> um, and even then, it's like, as, and especially considering everything she's gone through, she's already disillusioned. There's no one that has ever been more disillusioned with the Jedi Order than Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. Yep. He sat there for years asking them to save his mother and then had to go and carry her body away when they wouldn't. So, like, yeah. that, that's why, again, this is purely just a prediction. I don't know if anything's going to come from it, but... I feel like there's going to be something with this conversation with Anakin and she, she, whether intentionally or unintentionally, maybe let some of that emotion out and stops being this like reserved, 
always stoic type character. And that's when Anakin's going to be like, there it is, Snips. There's the lesson. Yeah. And like, that, that's just my prediction. I, I am all for it. I, like, I am hoping for some, some redemption mm-hmm. for both of them. Yeah. Like, I want to see Anakin, like, come into this world of just like, okay, I messed up. Mm-hmm. Like, I screwed my whole life up. Now you get to watch what becomes of this. Learn from this. Learn yeah. from my mistake and do better. Yeah. So you're you saying it, you're, you're hoping it's going to be kind of the Star Wars equivalent of Saving Private Ryan's make it worth it. Yeah. yeah. Basically. There is another <laughs> theory that takes in a little bit of a different direction. Not sure I want to hear and it. Because <laughs> I'm excited for this one. So this, I'll have to give you some context. I'll yeah. have to give a bit of a refresher for you. But Thank from you. Clone Wars... Anakin, Ahsoka, and Obi-Wan went to this planet and they met these three beings that were just of the force. It was the father, the son, and the daughter. And the son embodied the dark side. The daughter embodied the light side. Mm -hmm. And during this whole thing, the son was able to sway both Ahsoka and Anakin to the dark side and manipulate them. He initially persuaded Ahsoka to the dark side and then saw Anakin get angry when someone he cared about was getting controlled. And that's when he was like, you. You are the one with the dark side in you. Oof. And just basically took over Anakin, and there's this whole thing. And they, quote, unquote, killed the son to get rid of him. But this was after the son had killed his sister, the embodiment of the light side. Ugh. And she was resurrected as this bird, which we see regularly flying over Ahsoka. Huh. Not just in Clone Wars, but in Rebels, in Mandalorian, in Ahsoka. Have, oh, we've seen it in Ahsoka. We've oh. seen it in Ahsoka. There's always a bird in some form near Ahsoka. Oh, I'm gonna have to rewatch. So, yep. one the theory four, one three, is that this isn't truly Anakin in the world between worlds. It is the sun. No, and he is trying to find his way to get out of the world between worlds and get back into the real world. Oh no! Mm. Please no. That that would fit with where with the other story points they're hitting on of (sighs) the Empire coming back with Thrawn. Here's why. There's the theories for that because the daughter gave a lot of her powers to Ahsoka in saving her. That's mm-hmm. how Ahsoka, or that's part of how, like Ahsoka was pulled to the world between worlds by Ezra, and that's how she survived her interact, her fight with Vader. And she was able to go back in, but ever since she got pulled to the world between worlds, the bird has been following her. And so there's this clear connection between the sister, the embodiment of the light side, and Ahsoka. And so there's like this theory that Ahsoka can't truly die because she is now the new embodiment of the light side. Mm-hmm. And now the brother is trying to find his new embodiment of the dark side and, and all of that. Ugh. Which so, it would make sense in a way, because that is a story that was like started if, years ago. Yeah. And if you've seen it already in, in the show. Yeah. Well, the, the bird is something that is just always present ever since that story. Yeah. And so like, again, this is just a theory. I still, I don't, I don't really agree with that theory personally. I am more aligned with the idea that it is truly Anakin in Force Ghost form, and there's going to be that. Yeah, the I, I guess the the hole in that in the 
the world which, world between worlds story is that she seems confused that she's in uh, the world between worlds in Ahsoka. She like she doesn't is know where she is. Why she's there? She knows where she is because she's been there before more than once. Oh, okay. So I, I think it's more she's just confused on why she's there because she fell since off. Since she was survived, <laughs> since she was saved by Ezra and pulled to the world between worlds and jumped back, she hasn't gone back to the world between worlds. Oh, okay. Since then. Okay, so just looked it up, and Morai, the the bird form of the daughter. Uh, has actually been in The Mandalorian and mm. Book of Boba. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Mariah has been present. Usually as a silhouette, lot. but yeah. she's there. Yeah. Okay, I got to rewatch this. Yeah, now. I got to go <laughs> back and rewatch is that. Always present. That, that That's why you just, there's. it always seems like it's really random for just this random bird to fly, this random be owl flying to be over. around her. Yeah. But <laughs> I mean, Mariah is always there. She's always watching. Jeez. Ooh. Ooh, that's crazy. I'm there's, getting chills. There's dude. another thing I really <laughs> want to discuss. I know we're racking up on time, but there's something that I saw from a Star Wars theory video that I have to bring up. Okay. Do you guys know the significance to Balin and Shin's last names? Uh, I can't say I do. Hold on. Let me look at it real quick. It is Balin Skull and Shin Hati. No, Those two names. I don't. Are the names of the two wolves, the children of, um, oh gosh, I just blanked. Um, the wolf from the Norse mythology, Fenrir. Fenrir. The oh, two yeah. kids of Fenrir. Notice on the portrait with the Phoenix crew, there is a black wolf, wolf and a white and wolf. a white wolf. Oh, <sighs> oh. Notice in Rebels, there is a black wolf and a, and a white, white wolf, wolf on the planet constantly. And they show up frequently <laughs> throughout the story. Whichever Ooh. one you feed is the one that gets stronger. Yep. Oh, so my this gosh, is, that's cool. <laughs> so that would explain a lot of the, the callbacks to the Kabuki theater because that's mm. all. It, it's a very dramatic morality play. Yes. And that exact and story in Norse mythology was used as, hang on, what exactly are you feeding in your characters? There's, yeah. Ooh, there's God. a couple of theories on that as, like, as to like... Some theories are saying that Shin and Balin are the actual wolves transformed into human form on the Earth. There's some theories that they are just connected to that in a different way that we don't understand yet. It's theory that, that would... the Night Sister transformed them into these mercenaries to do her bidding. Like there, there's a couple different theories yeah. out there. Except the the thing I don't quite get about that is that the the two different wolves are supposed to be. Like the two different sides, though, good right? Like good and evil, right? Yes. So, well, so they're no, both the, evil. The two wolves uh, in Norse mythology, one is the one that chases the sun, and the other is the one that chases, chases the, the moon. moon. And oh, so, it's okay. not necessarily good and evil. It's just they both serve a different purpose. Gotcha. Okay. Which <sighs> again, we kind of see in the way that we, what yeah. little we've seen of both Balin and yeah, Hati. Yeah, that would yeah. track. Because Balin is always more of a like, no, I'm doing this for noble reasons. I'm just right. aligning myself temporarily for the with the wrong people to do so. Right. Yeah. Whereas Hati is very much more of a no. Yeah. I've got power. I'm going to use yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, like when I was watching the Star Wars theory video that I'll have to send that to you guys yeah. later. But when I was just watching that, I was just like getting all excited. I was like, oh. 
because it, it makes sense. Filoni always has some sort of wolf theme in mm-hmm. all of his stuff. Yep. And he has a wolf pendant on his hat from the wolf pack clones. <laughs> so it's like the wolf is all, is something that very much stands out to Filoni. Yeah. He always does something with the wolf. And nice. so like where he takes it and what he does with it, I don't know. But I, I, I there's got to be some significance. I really <laughs> yeah, feel like there is. Ooh. Yeah, I like Ooh. it. That would also track with why there's such a near blind devotion to this remaining night sister. Yeah. Like, yeah. Mm. Well, and like, and leading with the night sister, I do feel like the inquisitor Merak, I think that he was a, an inquisitor that had previously died and she used the night sister powers to revive him. That's why he just turned to dust <sighs> okay. when he was killed. Yeah. I was just about to ask about that. Like what is up with that? How he, when he, <laughs> he just died. turned to dust when he died, it very it is very reminiscent of the Night Sister zombies that were summoned on Dathomir on multiple occasions yep. during the war with Grievous when the when the Separatists attacked Dathomir and then again by Marin when Cal and um oh shoot what was his name the Sith his, guy oh from Jedi Fallen Order Terran Malakos. So we, we've seen the Night Sister zombies summoned on two separate occasions. Once when the Separatists attacked Dathomir, when Grievous, when they sent Grievous to just wipe them out. Because, quick side note, Mother Talzin, the leader of the Dathomir witches, was the only person Palpatine feared. Oh. <sighs> Never put that together. That is, he, he was genuinely afraid of how powerful she was. And, conveniently... He has the separatists attack Dathomir when she is in a weakened state. Mm. After having ca- she cast a spell that was so powerful, she nearly killed Dooku from Dathomir, from her throne. <laughs> Sorry that that comment right there also sparks another thing that I would that I want to highlight of the high level of ability in storytelling mm-hmm. that we've seen through Ahsoka. Yeah. They've emphasized that the force is not magic. Mm-hmm. Magic does exist in this realm or mm-hmm. in this world. And the two are looked at with complete uh, suspicion from both sides. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the Night Sisters that were able to wield the higher levels of magic did use some of the force in their magic. They did. So they weren't to completely separate from each other. Right. At least not with some of the higher level people like Daka and Talzin. Right. But the force is more of an amplifier, I'm sure, than... Yeah. 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 Uh, well, more well, of a the, catalyst, or a ca- yes, yeah, yes. basically. <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, that, so I think that's what it was with Marak was that she used the Night Sister magic to revive a different fallen Inquisitor and basically just warped him into this being that followed her blindly, mm-hmm. and that's why he just turned to dust. Which, granted, we didn't see the zombies turn to dust, but. They were also true Dathomirians. Right, right. And so it makes sense that the magic would react differently to a non-Dathomir species. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we obviously don't know what Maroc species was because he never took his helmet off and just instantly turned into Dustbuster stuff. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Which, on another another fun note, Need fun but vacuum. disappointing. <laughs> 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 on another fun yet disappointing note, there was a previous rumor that Maroc could have been Starkiller. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then 
when they start showing his portion of the fight with Sabine, uh, not with Sabine, sorry, with, with Ahsoka, mm-hmm. his fighting stance is all reminiscent of, of the, the box art from Force Unleashed. And it's like, oh, they're going to do it. They're going to do it. Ah, <laughs> oh, crap. Really? <laughs> it's possible He's that dead. that was not Starkiller, but that was just a little homage to like, hey, we know you guys want Starkiller. We can't. But this is the closest we can get. It's right. possible because Filoni is a man of the fans. So yes, it's like, he is. It's definitely possible. And he also understands that EA won the Golden Pooh multiple times in a row for very good reasons. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, that, that's my theory is that she, um, that Maroc was revived by the Night Sisters. And since he's not a true Death Emerian, his body reacted differently when he was killed. Okay. That's my theory. Makes sense. Yep. I don't know if we're necessarily going to get a true answer to that one. Um, yeah. It's possible <laughs> that they talk about it on the light, the light speed ring as they're traveling to this new galaxy. Like they may, she may ask is like, where's Maroc? What happened? Mm-hmm. And it's obviously like, since he was just a revived husk, like she's not really going to care, but it's yeah. just like, where is he? I, I just want to like put him on the front lines again. <laughs> no, <laughs> what we're working with. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. It's disappointing though sometimes when you when you get a character that you're like okay this could be somebody cool mm-hmm. and then it it's especially gone. since they showed him so much in the trailers and really yeah. built him up and like he like kind of was going toe to toe with with Ahsoka in that second episode where it's like he did flee but like he was he was keep he was pushing her back yeah yeah and so like I, I like I was really expecting more and it's possible that he gets revived a second time. And what, it's used again, but what if, and this is a the full on just like random thing I thought of, but what if it was a force projection of some kind? No, because we saw the force projection with Luke, and as much as we would like the so sequel trilogy to not be canon, every, <laughs> Disney has already said everything leads to the first one. Yep. So yeah. we've already seen what happened, and it does also make sense that. A force projection is not going to die or take damage. Or, but like, I, I guess I'm more saying like the the magic version of that, of like maybe he wasn't really there. The or... Night Sisters didn't really have that same power. Their power was very different. Mm-hmm. And this particular Night Sister, she's not on the same level of Talzin or Daka or even Asajj necessarily. She is clearly very strong. I mm-hmm. would argue she's probably on a similar scale as Marin from the Jedi games. Um, but I don't think she's powerful enough to be able to do something like that. Okay. Yeah. I, I think but reviving maybe. The, re- the Well, the reviving, like it is an advanced spell, but even when Marin did it, Taryn Malikos was like, no, don't, that's too advanced of a spell for you. You won't be able to control it. Which she she was able to control it at least to some to extent. To a degree, yeah. Um, but she she didn't have anywhere near the control that Talzin did. Like Talzin just revived hundreds of zombies Jeez. and just stood there with her arms crossed, was like, "All right, get to it." <laughs> and like that was so. I I don't think that this particular night sister is on that is on par to be able to do something of that scale. Yeah. Okay. Just figured I'd throw a throw a theory out there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And actually, thinking about it, kind of like talking through it just then, it's also possible that the reason he did turn to dust when he was killed is because it was an imperfect version of the spell. Uh, yeah, maybe. So he wasn't truly revived. It was just 
kind of uh, this husk controlling that's moving around in the suit, and the suit was what was keeping everything together. Yeah, very true. Very, so very like much could be dude in a house in a yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was Krauss. Yeah, Krauss. thank you. Yes, I know that one. <laughs> I get that reference. I get that reference. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, dude. <laughs> Do we want to throw out any quick predictions for what could potentially come up? I, I think we've kind of covered most of it, but is there any predictions that we may have missed? I, I think I threw out all of mine already. <laughs> I, I don't feel like I have as solid predictions put together for this as I did with Book of Boba Fett. Yeah. Because like with Book of Boba thing. Fett, I just was like... And granted, that was also just me going in completely blind. Well, that was yeah. just like... I have some YouTube videos that I watch, and I'm kind of piecing things together as I go, and it just happened to be right. That was yeah. wild. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I, I don't feel like I have as good of a grasp of where they potentially are going to go with this one. Yeah, I, and I, like I said, I think that's a good thing though because it it's well, it's unpredictable Booker, enough. Like, that was like some ginger magic, man. That was <laughs> so I do have one prediction, but I don't think it's going to hold too too much weight. I think that a lot of this is building up in a smaller way for Dothamir to become more of a actual player in in the general storyline. Yeah. Mm. So I think we're going to see another Night Sister. Yeah. If not, we're going to see a lot of the slave races from uh, the moons of Dothamir. Yeah. Which we 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 already know some of those characters. Yeah. But I think we're going to see that coming a bit more play here. I agree. I definitely think we're going to see a lot more Dathomir, which I am very excited for. I'm I mean, very excited about Dathomir that in live action. Dathomir has become a, a recurring thing. Like, Marin has become one of the single most popular Star Wars characters ever. <laughs> so, right. yeah. like, I, I definitely think we're going to see a lot more from Dathomir as well. I don't, I, I don't know. I, I'm curious to see what happens. Like, I'm curious if this particular Night Sister is going to survive and she's going to be the one kind of building things up. Or if she's going to get killed and it's going to be like a new night sister. I don't know. Cause there's like, they, they need to be careful because they're, if they aren't, they're going to quickly run into the same issue that they've run into with the Jedi. It's like, and here's another order 66 survivor. Yep. They really weren't that effective. Were they <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> before? It was just like, no, there was only a few Jedi left period. Yeah. And it's just like, it seems like every new show or movie, something like that. Yeah. Like, so it just every new show or movie, it's like more and more and more and more. So it's like I, I think it's a slippery slope. I, I agree. I one hundred percent agree. I want to see more Dathomir. I want to see some more Night Sisters. Please, please, please give us a live action Marin. She's such a great character. I just <laughs> want to see her character used more. Um, but again, they do kind of have that slippery slope. I think. Yeah. Okay, so I have two predictions. Okay. One prediction is probably not going to happen. The other prediction doesn't have anything to do with the show at all. <laughs> it's more of a hope about future things that Star Wars does. So a new hope? Yeah, a new okay. hope. Yeah. Uh, so the first one is Cal Kestis. Yep. I want yeah. Cal Kestis to come up I and been like, love to see I think it's good. Could yeah. you imagine if they brought in live action Marin and it was a witch on witch fight? Right? Oh, that Two would be amazing. witches fighting each other and just teleporting around and like, oh, <laughs> yeah. that'd be so cool. I think that'd be awesome. <laughs> well, then also the, the mocap actor for 
Cal Kestis. He's been very vocal. He, he's been extremely vocal about, I want to be in live-action Star yeah. Wars. And now that we've seen him have some overlap with some of the live-action actors, not just Hamill, mm-hmm. I think it's a very real possibility, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think, think it's going to be it's in Ahsoka. Happen in Ahsoka. It, definitely not season one of Ahsoka no. if it does happen. I can see if Thrawn does come back, then it's just like, okay, all hands on deck. We have to stop Thrawn. Mm-hmm. And yep. Cal showing up with his crew in some form. Even if it's just, like, at the end of the show, like... Actually... What? Thinking about it now, the timelines might not match up. Duh. Oh, okay. Because, because like, at the end of Jedi Fallen Order, I'm sorry, bit of a spoiler, but dude, the game's been out so long. <laughs> Finish it, Dan. Do better. <laughs> but at the end I'm of trying. Jedi Fallen Order, when Cal is fighting the Inquisitor, Trilla, she gets killed by Darth Vader. Right. And so the timeline-wise... Darth Vader is still very much present. Yeah. And but it could be an older Cal Kestis, uh, yes, though. But we also don't know if Cal truly survives to that point. Mm. Because like they, they have said that there's potentially one more Jedi game. They want to make it a trilogy. Yeah. And we have no idea what's going to happen in the trilogy. I was going to so say that, the second one's the called only, Survivor. That's so. the only reason <laughs> I'm saying I don't... Because the timeline-wise <laughs> and the potential of him possibly dying if there is another game yeah. that comes out. That's the only reason I'm saying that. Yeah. I think I want to see it. Yeah. I absolutely want to see it. <laughs> Cameron Monaghan is just a big nerd. So like yeah. bring him in, let him be part of this universe. He I clearly think, loves it. So, yep. and his, his, uh, I think his catchphrase at this point is more ponchos. Uh. <laughs> Which the funny thing is like everyone was so confused about that, but that was like all cow war in the first game. But, but I won't get off on that. <laughs> Please finish your predictions, yeah. and I'll have more. Right. Yeah, my my second one is more in response to something you guys were just saying. It was like the the survivors of Order sixty six being um, like there was supposed to be so few, and they keep coming up with more. Mm-hmm. But I'm more thinking like future things that they could do is like younglings, like, like people coming up into the force and like, what? Anakin wasn't even that great at being bad. (laughs) Oh no, he was effective. (laughs) He was effective. He may not have found them all, but the ones he found, oof. (laughs) See, I'm, I'm more saying like, like, like present time, like new generation. new gener- generation of Jedi being brought up and so a new academy. The, I do think that's going to happen. Unfortunately, based on the things I'm seeing, it sounds like the new Jedi Academy is going to be a sequel thing with Ray. <laughs> but if they do, because they've already confirmed Daisy yeah. Ridley's coming back, and okay. there's a lot of rumors circulating that that's what they're going to do. Which. But maybe they will have learned from their mistakes and make it better. <laughs> One can hope. You were saying that in a room with pessimists, my friend. Like, <laughs> I am trying to keep my love of Star Wars at the forefront and not let my salt of Disney <laughs> forward. But. Yep. but just seeing the way that Star Wars is going with Ahsoka and stuff like that, they're starting to get to a point of like, Okay, this is starting to feel more like Star Wars. So maybe with the movies, they'll learn from it and go, okay. Keep my comment until after recording. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I would I'm not also, saying it's it's I would love true. To, I would I'm love for saying. you to be right. I really would love for you to be right. Yeah. I don't have faith in those above <laughs> Filoni within the company. Um so petitions, again, I man. We gotta it, get petitions. I want it to be I want it to happen. I, I really want it to happen, but I just there is at least one individual in the company I do not have faith in. So. Yeah, yeah. At least one. Wow, you're you are optimistic. I said at least. <laughs> I said at least one because there's one that I kind of associate with the problems. Fair. So, did no. you have any other? No, that was okay. It. So I have two predictions. One, I don't think Shin Hati is a true Padawan that survived Jaren. Order 66. She's too young. I think she's Balin's daughter. Mm. Ooh. I could definitely see that. Okay. Because if he basically walked away from the Jedi Order, because he's clearly not following the Jedi Order being a mercenary, Mm -hmm. so that would lead you to believe that he potentially has a family or at least had a wife. Yeah. (laughs) And now has a daughter who is also Force-sensitive and clearly pretty strong in the Force. Yep. So that's theory number one. Theory number two, I think one, either Shin or Balin, is going to turn in some way. Mm. Whether that be Balin to the light side or Balin dying and Shin fully dark side. I don't know yet. But one of the two is potentially going to. And it's also possible that Balin turns to the light side and Shin gets angry and goes full dark side. And there's that clash. Mm. But that would also track with the wolf theory earlier. Yes. Yeah. So um, I, I two think sides of the same coin, yeah, exactly. Kind of thing. Yeah. So th- th- those are my <sighs> my two last predictions, and that you know, it's it's kind of it's weird in my head to see it that way. Like I I fully agree that that's a possibility mm-hmm. for sure, but my head is thinking that Shin is going to be the one that turns to the light. You think so? Even though she's got all I that don't anger and stuff, think so just because of the anger that she's shown, yeah, and the aggressiveness she's shown, but that's because the... she also was using the force choke at the end of episode yeah. four on, 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 um, on, on Sabine, not Ahsoka, on Sabine, yeah. So Wait. that's why, and like, the reason I think that Balin will potentially turn oh, light yeah. side is because when at the end of episode three, when he said they're in the forest, go track them down, and he turned facing forward. There is that look of almost like hesitation mm-hmm. on his face. Yeah. And I think that that was a very subtle plant that it's like something's going to come up. Yeah. Whether he actually follows through or if it was just a tease, I don't, we obviously don't know yet. But that's where my thinking is coming from. Yeah. Just seeing that look of hesitation and like questioning mm-hmm. on his face of like, is this really the right thing? We Jedi are few and far between. Should I truly kill someone who is a very strong Jedi? Yeah. And again, like for me, it's again, I fully agree. I think that would probably be the best course of action. But to me, I'm more thinking this is this would be a good redemption of like this person has so much anger. She's done Mm -hmm. so much wrong. Mm -hmm. But there's some way that something gets to her and is like, okay. They I'm do doing something. Have wrong. a history of not letting the angry person come to realization until it's too late, though. Yeah, that's true. Darth Maul, Anakin. Like, Darth Maul came around. No, he was always angry, and he never oh, okay. came around. All right, no, he <laughs> I did. was going to say what he did in Rebels. No, 
he was still angry. He was. No, still, he was he, still angry, but he, he, he in, still, in his final words, he was pointedly his more final optimistic. Words after he was defeated, he was sure. still very angry and still very much clinging to the dark side. That what I final words after he's been cut in half isn't redemption. That is like, oh, maybe I was wrong. <laughs> that fine. <laughs> <laughs> like Luke using the anger attacking Vader and then turning back. That is redemption. That's redemption. Yes. Ahsoka yeah. being angry and disillusioned with the Jedi Order and leaving and then coming back to help them when she had no reason to. Pointedly that is redemption. redemption. Yes. Okay. But uh, that's still good guys turning bad to going good again. Right. That Not bad guys to becoming good. I just, I feel <laughs> like Balin is the one that has shown the potential remorse yeah. for his decisions. And that's why I think it's going to head that way. I agree. Well, Balin has the remorse, but he also has the discipline. Yeah. Which. Well, but I, the, so the reason I think is like, I feel like he's going to think, uh, he, he's clearly thinking that everything's going to be fine under Thrawn. I think when they find Thrawn and he actually hears Thrawn's plan, that his alignment is going to change. Because mm. I think he's yeah. thinking that they're probably going to be fine under Thrawn and everything's going to be okay. And he and, and Shin, potentially his daughter, will be safe. And I don't think Thrawn is going to be that open to it. I think Thrawn is going to see the two of them as a major threat. Yeah. Probably, yeah. And it's also possible that we see a whole other race from the Thrawn books that are a massive threat. So, spoiler. Well, just leave that teaser out there. <laughs> Go read the books. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of what my thinking. I, I, I feel like... Something's going to happen with Thrawn. And I also do want to quickly point out, I think the hyperspace ring that they built is potentially big enough for the Chimera. Ooh. It may not be in very good working shape, but they have the technology to, and the droids and whatnot to at least fix the the um, cockpit, the, the mm, control station. Yeah, could be. What was the Chimera? That was Thrawn Star Destroyer. Oh, okay. That that's more so just me like please bring it in please bring it in, please bring it in. <laughs> so that that one is not a theory that is more like a hopeful fan yeah, <laughs> but yeah. with the size of that hyperspace ring like they, there's there something was, big coming there's through something that. that they are going to attach to it oh yeah in some way shape or form I don't know what that is but there's going to be something that is attached to it there's no need for a big ring with nothing in the middle of the ring like a this. small planet. <laughs> <laughs> Your head? <sighs> ah. <laughs> so, so yeah, I'm not that prideful. <laughs> so yeah, th those are my theories. That's I'll leave it there because I've kind of been popping off in this episode because I'm just excited to see where they take it. But <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, we could talk about Star Wars all night. I'm sure we probably still will. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, and if you guys are enjoying the conversation that we've been having. Uh, please share it with your friends, and uh, we'll catch you on the flip side. Bye. Bye. May the force be with you. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>